beautiful blessed day today. I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has ever overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can handle it, so you can endure it. Morning, everyone. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 4. That's where we're going to be at. Um, this, I know there's been um, several announcements this morning about the trunk or treat that we have coming up. Exciting stuff. A lot of people from the community show up, lots of kids, and um, yeah. there's sign-up opportunities in the foyer. Tammy Smith is coordinator for that this year. She's got all sorts of ways she can put you to work and even just come and float around and talk to people and uh, give opportunity to make f- people feel welcome and, and uh, talk to them about the church. It's a great, great opportunity that, that uh, we have coming up this Wednesday. So that's uh, just, a, just one more plug to, to give you a reminder that that's something exciting that's up and coming. Um, we're going to go into, uh, again, Luke chapter 4 today, continuing on with the, the story of Luke. And before we do that, to get into what we're going to talk about today, how many of you have heard of a guy named Johnny Manziel? Does that name ring a bell? Yeah, there's kind of some, some mixed faces here, okay? Johnny Manziel, and I've got this, uh, this info here. He was a guy that was a quarterback for Texas A&M, I understand. As a true freshman, so... 18 years old or some, somewhere in there. He uh, won all of these different awards. The Heisman Trophy, that's a pretty big deal, isn't it, for the college football. The Davey O'Brien Award, the Manning Award for the best quarterback in college football. The Associated Press Player of the Year, Sporting News Player of the Year, SEC Offensive Player of the Year, Consensus All-American, and two-time first-team All-SEC. So the Southeast Conference, probably the best, most powerful conference in football. And he did all of that his freshman year. And he became known, as he called himself, and trademarked this name, Johnny Football. And the sky was the limit for him, what was going to be possible, because he had all these natural gifts, all this natural ability, and would throw the lights out. Now, if you know the rest of the story, you know what happens next. Hey, he gets drafted. He comes in and he's got this walk, this swagger, Johnny Football. You know, I am all of what football is about. Gets drafted by the Cleveland Browns. And if you go through a list, if if you just take a piece of paper right now and wrote down, what could I do if I have all the talent in the world, all the ability in the world, and get drafted in the first round, and I do whatever I can in order to torpedo my career? Okay? And you just think of everything that you could possibly do to destroy what place right in front of you. And you write that down. That's exactly what Johnny Menzel did. And so the question became, is he going to live up to his name of Johnny Football? And the resounding answer was, no, it did not go well. He spent two years in the NFL, barely played any, and most of the time was suspended because he was arrested for this or arrested for that. And it just continued on that way. And he's in the CFL playing now, trying to revive his career. But did he live up to his name? The answer is no, not even close. Didn't live up to his name. And so when we go to Luke chapter 4, we see something happen here. We see 
in, in chapter 3, if you rewind just a little bit, in verse 2, when Jesus is being baptized, he comes up out of the water. It says, the voice from heaven says, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. In other words, this is the Son of God. And you continue on to uh, you look down to the genealogy of chapter 3, the last verse, so verse 38, before we get to chapter 4. It says, The son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. That Jesus, again, says, is the son of God. Now the question becomes, will he act like it? Will Jesus, the son of God, whatever that means, is he going to live up to everything that he is supposed to be? With Johnny Manziel, the answer is absolutely not. And so that's the question. Is Jesus going to live up to this? And so we, we pick up the story in chapter 4, starting in verse 1 through verse 13. And it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Now that's one of the greatest understatements in the Bible. He ate nothing for 40 days, at the end of it he was hungry. Okay, yeah, yeah, we get that. Yeah, I go without lunch and I'm hungry. Yeah, that's, that's a, yeah, how many can relate to that? Yeah, that's, that's a big deal. Okay, so Jesus, it says here, was, and it's kind of a strange phrase here. It says he was full of the Holy Spirit and he was led by the Spirit. Both of those phrases happen there. That he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, wait a minute here. Does this just say that God leads, led Jesus into the wilderness in order to be tempted or tested? Wait a minute, isn't God supposed to, to take us away from sin? How does this work? What's happening here? And what we're going to see is that you see this over and over again in Scripture, is that what God wants for us is ultimately good, not what is just going to be the easiest at any given moment. And so before Jesus goes into his ministry where he message of, of God, he's sharing the good news, he's sharing the gospel of peace, what happens is God leads him into the desert all by himself for 40 days to wrestle and to pray and to struggle. Now, how, what's the longest you've ever been alone? Can you think of that, what that might be? It's not very long for me. There's been a few times where I've gone out uh, and I've been by myself hunting uh, by my for a few days, and boy, I didn't like it after a while because there's felt like there was too much time, too much to wrestle with, too much to try to face on my own, all that kind of thing. And Jesus is, is out there for 40 days, and he's wrestling, and, and he's preparing for this ministry that God has called him to. And this time, I'm convinced, essential for the rest of Jesus' ministry and what he does because this is transformational right here. And so Jesus is in the wilderness, and we're going to see here. I'm going to give you a spoiler alert, okay? If you go way back in the, the history of, of Israel, God takes them, and they wander in the desert as well, don't they? And they're tested while they're in the desert, just like Jesus is here, different time frames. But what happens with the Israelites is the Israelites, they, uh, they go through the desert, and they're tested by, by God, right? And uh, how does that turn out for them? Did they do well? Did they pass with flying colors? No. It was fail after fail after fail after fail. But God worked that 40 years and transformed them into a people that would have faith enough to go into Canaan and take it. And so what happens with Jesus here is instead of, of epic failure like the Israelites, is we see that Jesus is, he goes into the desert 
with this time of testing, and he succeeds in ways that Israel was never able to do. So let's continue on. Let's see what happens here. Starting in the second part of verse 2. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Again, the greatest understatement in the history of Scripture there. Okay, he's starving. And so the devil comes to him and says, Hey, Jesus, hey, why don't you, you're hungry. Oh, man, it's been a long time. Why don't you just see those stones over there? Just turn them into bread. Okay, just turn them into bread, then you can satisfy this hunger right now. It's going to be all right. No big deal. Just, just do that. Now, if we stop and think, how many of you think that that sounds pretty harmless in and of itself? Maybe a little bit harmless, sort of harmless. Turn these stones to bread. The temptation there is use your power and your position to get what you want, to satisfy your appetites. And so Jesus, yeah, you're different than everybody else. You know, you're, you're, you're big shot. Why don't you use that in order to get what you want? Okay, just to take care of yourself. Hey, why don't you, you uh, just use just a little bit of power to turn those, those, those stones to become bread? You know, we, we see people do this in our world a lot. And maybe we're guilty of it is we take our position in order to take some type of privilege that we don't deserve, but we take it because of the position that we're in. Yeah, we see that, don't we? People around us, dangerous thing to fall into. Because you just think about Jesus. If he would have, have decided to do this right here, hey, use these, okay, I am really hungry, and man, that, that, that rock right there, as you're seeing stuff after 40 days of that food, right? That rock right there looks like a great... Great sourdough bread, and I think I'm going to eat that. I would love to eat that. I'm just going to use this to turn this right now, and, and life's going to be good, and I can, just, I can just move on. Just this one time. But what happens is the next time as Jesus is wandering around with his disciples, he said, hey, anybody thirsty? Watch this rock right here. I'm going to turn this into, oh, yeah, this is Coke. That's not going to be invented for, for you know, a long time from now. But, hey, it's good. It tastes good today. You see what happens is Jesus would have turned into someone that uses his power and his position for himself instead of for God and for everyone else. And that's why he came. And Jesus, what he does here is he quotes from Deuteronomy. And if you go down, you'll notice that all of these quotes that Jesus gives, and that's the only thing he says is he quotes scripture in this whole section, as he quotes from Deuteronomy. And if you go back to Deuteronomy, what you see is, is that Moses is talking to the Israelites how to, to get away from temptation and how God has taken care of them and how to not go back into the things that they were in before. And so Jesus says, Man shall not live on bread alone. And if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, you see the rest of that section. It says, But every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, we don't get our sustenance to live in this life from food. We get it from following God. And when we follow God and we give Him our best, and in his words, what we meditate on, then he provides for us. And so you see, Jesus isn't going to fall for this. He's not going to turn these stones to bread because he was not born to use his power and his position for himself. He was, he was born in order to, to give it to others and to bring others along into God's kingdom. So let's look at test two. First test, Jesus passes. Number two, starting in verse five, it says... The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Okay, do you think... Okay, let's take a show of hands here. Okay, this is just fun. Okay, no shame here whatsoever. How many of you think that Jesus is the, the, has these, these kingdoms to give away? 
Go ahead and raise your hand. Any ideas? Any thoughts? How about it? you think that Jesus is lying here? He doesn't have these kingdoms to give away, and he's trying to give away something he doesn't have. Okay, those are the two options. Option number one, raise your hand. Option number two, raise your hand. Okay, yeah, like six of you voted. All right. So the rest of you are unsure. Is that fair to say? So the rest of you, there is hard to know. Okay? We understand that, that Satan is called the prince of this world. And, but he's also called the father of lies. What does Satan have to give away? Who knows? What really matters is that what he's trying to do, he's saying, you know, if you just worship me, all this is yours, is that, first of all, I wonder if I can get God to bow down to me and commit idolatry. To worship something that is not the ultimate creator. But, as well, this is a way for Jesus to shortcut God's plan. Because, Ultimately, every knee is going to bow before Jesus. So, Jesus, if you just worship me right now, you can have every knee bow before you. You get the same result, but without the cross. And you can do it right now. Here's the shortcut. You don't have to go through your life perfect. You don't have to go through all this. You don't have to with all these people that you teach and you say, how long, God, would you keep me with these people? You won't have to put up with all these, these people that just are, are, are don't understand these people that... They put themselves first and these people that treat you poorly and ultimately will put you to a cross and execute you. Isn't it a lot easier just to bow down right now and take a shortcut and uh, not have to put up with all that stuff? Can you see the temptation there? Can you see the temptation? And Jesus says, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This is something the Israelites wrestled with. And they failed miserably with the golden calf, which is also in this context that Moses is talking in in Deuteronomy. Jesus says, no, there's no shortcut here. Worship the Lord and serve him only, because that's where every knee should bow, not taking a shortcut and bowing to you. And there's not going to be an abundant life for everybody if I take this shortcut. That's it. Not going to work. So Jesus doesn't fall for it. Number two, no go. Let's look at number three. There's another test, starting in verse 9. It says, The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Okay, test number three. The devil says, If you're the Son of God, come on up. Jump off the temple. It'll be fun. You know? Hey, doesn't this sound great? How many of you would be tempted to jump off the temple? Yeah, okay, there's a couple of us here, yeah. Yeah, the daredevil types. Let's jump off the temple, sure. Let's see what happens. That'd be great. No way. If you're gonna, and you notice what Satan does here? He quotes scripture. No, God's going to take care of you. No big deal. Jump off. It's all good. And here's the temptation. Demanding that God prove himself through a sign. Sure, I'm willing to follow you. Sure, I'm willing to do all this. But I want proof. I want you to meet me where I'm at in order to... Uh, for, for, I want to see if you're going to get my allegiance. You, you follow me there? Because that's our temptation, isn't it, in our world? Is Instead of saying, God, you are God, and I will become what you want me to be, and I'm going to pursue that. Instead, sometimes we approach God saying, hmm, I would want to look for the God that suits me. I want to look for the God that will do what I want. I want to approach God on my terms. Well, if God created the world and he created us to worship him, we've got to approach him on his terms, don't we? Isn't that 
pretty evident if, we, if we're going to be faithful to God. We approach him on his terms. And so demanding that God prove himself. God, I'm going to jump off this temple because I know you've got a plan for me and I'm going to put you in a spot where you have to do what I say. Mm-mm. No, maybe sounds good. But Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 16. No, I'm not going to do that. This is not the way it works. I'm not going to put the, uh, God to the test. And so you look through all of these things. It finishes here, in, uh, and I'll read in verse 13. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he led him, left him until an opportune time. So the devil decided, all right, I've had it here. I'm going to go. I'm going to leave. I'll come back at a different time. And I wonder how often that happened. We don't know. But we know that towards the end of life, Jesus is saying, let this cup pass from me. I'm sure there was some temptation in there that I just don't want this to happen. I'd rather some other way aside from the cross. But as Jesus is going through pillaging Satan's kingdom all the way through his ministry, I imagine there was other times where Jesus woke up in the morning and thought, oh man, not today. Not today. I'm tired. I don't want to do his will today. I just want to go off somewhere else and leave these people to figure their own stuff out. I don't want to be the savior of the world today. I don't know. We don't know what all those temptations were, but we know that Satan came back. Because Satan's not going to leave a person just pillaging his kingdom, is he? He's going to come back and he's going to do whatever he can in order to try to, to knock Jesus off his mark. And we know at the end of the story that that never happened. That Jesus goes through his life he becomes the perfect sacrifice, and he becomes everything that he was supposed to be for us. But this story for us, there's a whole lot of things that, that I gain that I meditated on this week. It lessons for us that God uses wilderness times to prepare us for being all that we need to be. Just like he does for Jesus, he does the same for us. I think about, um, if you look back just in Scripture, and you think about other people that have had wilderness times. You think about Paul, for example. After he became a follower of Jesus, he was um, he took some time and went out into the wilderness. There was some sort of wilderness time that happened. Think about Elijah, right before he goes up to uh, to do battle with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. He has a time where he's alone for a while. He has a wilderness time and he wants to quit. He wants to be done. You think about Moses. Moses had quite an extended wilderness time, didn't he? From age 40 to age 80, being raised to be royalty in Egypt and then being run off, he goes and he becomes a shepherd for 40 years of time where God is preparing the people of Israel, God is preparing Moses, all of that. And so think about for yourself. There's probably times, if you've been alive very long, where you go through a phase and a time where God maybe feels far away, you have to question, what on earth is God doing here? I don't get any of this. None of this makes any sense. I feel lonely. I feel desperate. I feel frustrated. I don't feel very spiritual at all right now. And when those happen, don't give up. Do you think Jesus, on day 39, felt like a spiritual example to everybody. <laughs> These temptations are coming. He's wrestling. He's hungry. How many of you feel great when you're hungry? I mean, <laughs> none of us. But what Jesus showed is that instead of, like the Israelites, falling for every temptation that came along and chasing whatever was comfortable at the moment, 
Jesus said, nope, I'm going to stay the course, and I'm God's man, and I'm going to do what he wants me to. And he never gave up, and he never quit. And so that's got to be a tremendous encouragement for all of us. If we're there, if you're there today, if you've been there recently, and you think, man, I feel alone, I feel there's, there's nothing's working the way it should be, I feel desperate, I'm frustrated, then maybe God is using this time right now to prepare you for something and to be something that you could never have been otherwise. Remember, God's Spirit does not lead us into comfort. God's Spirit leads us into service. It leads us into good and prepares us for what God wants us to be. And that's what's going on. Uh, so those times, I encourage you, and there's a, there's a lot more to be said about it, more than we have time to walk through this morning. But there is a, those dark nights of the soul, those moments where we feel like we're, we're, um, we're alone, is when all of a sudden God works for it and brings us into a place where he, he, uh, he uses us as he never could before. I remember, I've had a few of these different times in my life, and I remember being a senior in college, having no idea what was going to happen next. You know, you pay for a four-year degree, you're supposed to know what you're going to do with your life, right? Not me. Nope. Oh, no, what's next? Great. I'm going to have to grow up here at some point. This is, I'm not sure what this is going to look like. I have to wrestle through this a bit. And I remember, I even got shingles when I was a senior in college. You know, stress. You know, I didn't know what stress was at that point in time. You know, no idea. But I thought I did. And I, for me, it was huge. And I wrestled and I wrestled and I wrestled. And you know what happened? Is God worked to open some different doors in that time period to lead me on a path and I don't know if I wouldn't have wrestled and felt so alone and so frustrated at that point in time that uh, I wouldn't, I don't know that I, I would have I've chosen the path that God had for me. Um, I, was, I had to wrestle, I had to struggle with that. And I could give you, as, as now I realize this concept, I'm able to look back and see the times where I've had those wilderness times where God led me to something much, much greater. Don't give up. Okay? Don't give up. You feel alone, you feel God's far away. Do not give up. God's working here to bring you into a place that is much greater than where you're at now. Number two, lesson for us. Jesus was tempted just like we are. And you see this in Scripture, but was without sin. And that's the beautiful thing, is that I think before Jesus came, it was so easy for mankind to say, well, God's up there somewhere, I'm down here somewhere. We don't connect, okay? We don't get each other. But when Jesus came, he showed us an example of how to walk through Temptation and how to, how to, what would God do if He was in my situation? Well, now we know. And Jesus shows us how to have victory over the temptation that comes. How many of you have been tempted in life and tested? Ha! Okay, if you're not raising your hand, you are telling a fib this morning. It's wrong to lie in the church building, right? That's how it works, huh? All right. He get, there's temptations, there's testing that comes. So, how do we overcome them? Here's two things that came up. Very clearly in this text. Number one, the Holy Spirit. Jesus relies on the Holy Spirit in order to lead him through this. The Holy Spirit leads him in, and you see what happens in verse 14, the next verse after this section. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. So the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness, and the Holy Spirit leads him out of the wilderness. And that's essential if we believe that God works only through his scripture and does not work through his Holy Spirit living in us, working to transform us, we never grow. 
We will never be transformed into what God wants us to be. And so what does that look like? I'm not sure. I, I don't know all of what it looks like. But what I do know is this, is that what I see is that when people give their lives to Christ, they repent, they, they approach God in faith, they approach God in baptism, come into the kingdom of God, and their sins are forgiven, they're transformed, that people are able to leave behind addictions, people are able to leave behind sin, and it's a battle but what happens is the Holy Spirit works to transform us to be able to leave all that stuff behind and be different, be transformed. Can you relate to that? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. If you've been a Christian for a while, you know what that's about, is being transformed to look more like God. And if we, sometimes we struggle with things for a while, but God gives us a way out. He gives us a way to be able to, to be transformed and to, um, to be different, to be changed Relying that the Holy Spirit is working in us. And also, you notice the only words, I said it here a second ago, the only words that Jesus says in the section are from Scripture. He doesn't have an elaborate debate with Satan. He doesn't get into all these esoteric metaphysical answers. You know what he does? He just goes back to Scripture. And he quotes that. Probably a good example for you and I is that when we faced, we're faced with situations in life that maybe we're not sure what to do, we go right to Scripture. And we look there and we spend time there and we let that transform us. And that inform us and that lead us. And I can't help but think that Jesus... Here's the question. Did Jesus live up to being the Son of God? Yes, He did. He did. And He showed us the example of what it means to be a Son of God. So as for you and I, being children of God, sons and daughters of God... This is what it looks like. He is being led by the Holy Spirit and being um, led by Scripture to lead us out of sin, into, out of the wilderness, into being the people that he wants us to be. And from this, this time on, what we see with Jesus is he goes about sharing the abundant life that he is bringing to the world. That phrase that we use, sharing the abundant life of Jesus. After this wilderness time, he goes out and he starts sharing that abundant life with everyone who would listen. And if we don't go through those times, it's hard to share the abundant life because we don't appreciate it, don't understand it, don't respect it. And so for all of you, wherever you're at, you may be in a time of abundance and thinking, man, wilderness is the furthest thing from my mind right now. Life's good. Well, enjoy it. Enjoy it and love it. And if you're in a wilderness time right now, then don't give up and don't quit. Because God is using this to teach you something very, very powerful right now to bring you to a place where he wants you to serve in ways that you could never imagine. And that is the abundant life of Jesus. When we find that God is using us to make a difference for his kingdom for eternity, that's what the abundant life of Jesus is about. And we've got a lot to share with the world around us. If you'd like to become a Christian and you'd like prayers of the church, the elders are waiting in the back to pray with you. And you're welcome to head back there and, and share your... What's on your heart with them?